Hi, Austin here coming to you from after we recorded this. Uh, we've got a sneak preview from the guest spot we talk about later on this episode at the end. So stick around all the way through to hear us talk about the squonk with our friends at Mystery. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things you should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. And sometimes we keep talking about how we're going to be guests on another podcast. Yes, um, we are going to both be on Myth Story, M-Y-T-H-S-T-O-R-I-E, on Wednesday the 18th, so I believe that's the day after this episode comes out. Yes, it is. And then I am going to be on an episode of Story Shout on the, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's the 25th. So we're really excited about both of those. Make sure you tune in. And if we sound funny again, it's because this time our roof leaked again and our podcast studio's carpet is damp. So Taylor Swift, we know you listen and we are still waiting for that roof money. Yeah. Oh, Taylor. It's like, this is why we are never getting back together. Like ever. Please, you know you'd take Taylor back in a heartbeat. She wouldn't have me. (laughs) She's too good for me. I mean, all these, we are, our big thing right now is angry girl music. Yeah. Oh, you've been listening to Olivia Rodrigo like nonstop. Oh, so have you and don't lie about it. Yeah, it's true. I have. Like he texts me from work. It's like, I've been listening to Olivia Rodrigo all day. Yes. So don't, so don't put that all on me. It's a little bit on you. Just a little bit. Only because I introduced you to her, but I am not the one who has been choosing to watch, choosing to watch High School Musical, the musical, the series all week. It's true. I have been. Well, it's a good background noise because it's something you've seen. So you're not going to. It's just good background noise show. Yeah. So in short, we need Taylor Swift to pay for a roof. I'm going to be trying my hand at replacing a faucet later today. So wish me luck that we don't need a plumber out here again. And nothing else too exciting to talk about other than the podcast that we're going to be on. Again, Mythstory on the 18th and Story Shout on the 25th. Yeah. So I guess we just get started this time. Yeah, this is weird. I feel like we must be missing something. It's like, well, we've, like... This week went so fast. It did. Like, I feel like we haven't had time to do anything this week. We watched uh, Friday the 13th Part 2 on Friday the 13th. That was like it. Yeah, that was... That's the the only exciting thing we've done. Not nearly as good as Part 1, but not bad. Plan to watch the rest of them. Yeah. Oh, no, we also watched uh, Hell House... Oh, and we were yeah. so, we were like, we were literally five minutes away from turning it off because we were so bored when things finally started ramping up. So if you decide to watch Hell House LLC, I think it's called, give it some time. Yeah. It'll it's... get there. And we're actually planning on watching the sequels. So that, those are Maddie and Austin's movie thoughts for the week. Yeah. And I read a good book. It's a Hail Mary by Andy Weir. It's very good. It's he got aliens. The Martian. Same guy that wrote The Martian. Okay. Um, I've basically forgotten how to read at this point. I have not had time. It's okay. Reading is overrated. No, <laughs> says the librarian. Oh, it's true. Um, kids read books. Read I love books. reading, and I've actually, uh, for the first time in years, set a goal for myself on Goodreads to, and I, I think I'm going to achieve it. But dear lord, I'm not going to mention the name of the book that I was just reading, but I had to return it because I got so bored. And it's an author I've read before, and I really liked the other book. So for, but... like for like the last week, she's like, I don't like the book I'm reading. I don't know if I'm going to finish it. And she kept reading it. It's like, well, read another book. You have unlimited options. Don't torture yourself with a book that you don't like. Unless you're in school and you have to read Ethan Frome. Then just, Portrait just, of the Artist as a Young Man. Then just read Ethan Frome. It's like Rapes 100 pages. It only seems longer. Separate piece. 
Oh, separate I'm bees. naming all of the books I hated reading in school. Okay, guys, seriously, in school, read the books that are assigned to you. But remember, guys, there are so many other books out there. Books that will bring you joy. Books that won't have a test at the end. But books that I'm more than happy to talk to you about. Oh, yeah. Um, I love I love reading. And I feel like school killed that for a long time. And I'm saying that as a former English teacher, I feel like school can really kill your love of reading. So remember the way that the way that you have to read books in school is not the only right way. Find a book that you love, read it, screw them all, but still read the ones you need for school, even if it's Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. Yeah. Now that we've done our book talk PSA, just imagine like a read poster above our heads now. Uh, I'm going to get into my subject, which, okay, uh, this week, uh, Maddie and I actually did discuss state flags, as you do. Well, I finished watching, oh, that's the thing, I finished watching The Bing Bang Theory this week, and I was telling Austin how much I would actually probably have watched Sheldon Cooper's Fun with Flags. Did we, wait, was it this week or last week where I, where I yelled fruit at the screen? That was last week. Okay. However, we also learned that acorns are a fruit this week. Yeah, acorns are a fruit, mind blown. So, uh, then I started looking at state flags, and I had some pretty major observations I'll go through right now. Uh, one, Mississippi's new state flag slaps. Like, it is a million percent better. <laughs> it is a beautiful flag. I just, it's so funny because Austin is now using words like slaps and yeet. And he doesn't work with the public or with people who are, like, of the demographic that typically uh, uses these words. Um, excuse me, I do work with one person who is under the age of 30, so I'm pretty cool. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with these words. Like, I use, um, I use some of them myself. Uh, dip. I, um, yeah, I use a dip, but I don't think that's a, I don't think that's the youth. <laughs> um, I do refer to songs as a bop. Yeah. Um, but it's just really funny to me because, you know, this used to be me. I used to integrate these words all the time when I was a teacher. And I don't anymore because I'm not part of the hip the hip scene anymore. But Austin is suddenly cool. and Okay, I've always been cool. You've just been blind to how cool I really am. So the person under 30, are they 29? Yes, they are. <laughs> uh, second observation. If your flag is just your state seal... You suck just a little bit, and, like, you just need to, like, get some more creative people into your state. This is what you get when you cut the arts. It's just your state seal on a flag. Three, nobody has Nicolas Cage on any of their flags, and they are cowards for this. Cowards! You know how we bought a flagpole when we broke our flagpole stand outside? And yeah. We've been thinking about replacing it because we need it for Halloween stuff. I feel like we could make a Nicolas Cage flag into our, like house flag except for halloween when we put our monsters or out there. we could just declare ourselves a republic which i'm gonna get into we are the sovereign nation of cagedom yep cageopolis that's a city name cagestan i think that's a real country name yeah, maybe <laughs> and four uh california just has a whole ass bear on their flag just an entire bear i mean it's better than having a whole bear ass on their flag yeah it's like why is there a bear on their flag austin does not appreciate my jokes I heard it. I heard it. It's like a whole bear ass. I mean, that would be a great flag. I think that was the flagging community. The E. Pluribus Anus. That wasn't an ass. That was just an anus. Okay. It's a part of the ass. One might say it's a central part. I mean, technically, depending on your like how much you want to define things, all things are a part of your ass because if they're connected by your skin. Whoa. So everything is just And an also, they will often, if they're doing skin grafts, take skin from your ass. See? I'm learning so much today about you, asses. You had to have known that. I didn't know that. Okay. All right. So why is there a bear on this flag? Was it their first governor? No, it wasn't. Did it found Sacramento? This bear did not found Sacramento. Did it 
somehow discover gold and start the gold rush by, I don't know, catching a salmon and then flinging a gold nugget at a prospector? No. I like all of these explanations better better than whatever the real one's going to be. So I had questions. And again, um, full disclosure, we had been watching Sheldon Cooper's Front of the Flags, and that might have unconsciously, like... <laughs> but we did just now realize that neither of us knows the true story about Betsy Ross, so we're going to have to cover that at some point. No. I feel like that one's... Like, Austin is literally doing an episode on flags at this moment, and right before we came, like, to record, I was like, wait a second, because you're watching a TV show. Didn't Betsy Ross not have anything to do with the first flag? And Austin, the flag expert of the day, didn't look at this. Yeah, did not look at Betsy Ross. Well, I'm only talking about California's flag, and uh, everything aside, this is the most American story I have ever covered in this podcast. Okay. So... Back in 1846, California was still owned by Mexico, mostly. Isn't that kind of like the Mexican-American War? We wanted to pretend that Mexico didn't own Texas? Yeah. And there was all of this stuff. And American settlers were also, like, just going to Mexico and setting up shop and just crossing over there. And the um, state of Alta California, uh, which is the Mexican state that is now modern California, was fairly, like neglected by the Mexican government. Now, how much of California are we talking? Are we talking about, like, the entire West Coast, which is basically California, or...? No, it was just, like, imagine, like, California, and then you stretched it east to, like, Colorado. But no, how how far north? Col- California. Uh, Oregon and Washington were still American territory. Okay. I think it was covered in the Louisiana Purchase, but I don't know. We might have just claimed it. Only mastodons were involved with the Louisiana Purchase. Only mastodons. And we didn't find any, so we got Massachusetts. We got Massachusetts in the deal. We already had Massachusetts. So, so yeah, the local authorities like they've been neglected. Like Mexico wasn't sending stuff. They'd actually kicked a governor out, like driven him out of the territory because they didn't like him. Mm-hmm. So they weren't very. The people weren't very pleased with Mexico, and they were openly discussing either. Like, becoming independent on their own, or going to America and asking America to annex them. This was being openly discussed. So, like, the opposite of what happened with Hawaii. The opposite. And, of course, meanwhile, while this is going on, uh, they're discussing annexing Texas with, and that's just making Mexico real mad. So they're pressure. they're like, there's lots of signs that a war is about to start between Mexico and the United States. And so things were pretty chaotic across the American Southwest at this point, just because of all of this. And, of course, then there's American migrants in Mexico who were super mad because uh, they were had limited rights, uh, they weren't allowed to rent or lease land, and naturalization and land grants were being halted for migrants. Okay. So, like, this was... Before this, Mexico actually had a really simple naturalization process and generous land grants to uh, naturalized Mexican citizens. So if you moved to Mexico, it was fairly simple, and you'd get land granted to you that just be yours. So you could be able to work the land, and it was easy. But with these growing tensions, they um, slowed down the naturalization process. Uh, They blocked land grants and naturalization of America. Americans, they made it harder. And then they even made plans to eject all of the illegal American immigrants. But since California had been so neglected by the Mer- uh, by the Mexican government, uh, General Jose Castro, who was tasked with enforcing this removal, just met with the American immigrants and decreed that the Mexican spirit of hospitality, he would not kick out these uh, industrious families and let them stay in California. Mm-hmm. If they obeyed the law, applied for a license to settle, and would voluntarily leave if they ended up being rejected. 
So he's like, I don't want to kick you guys out. This is stupid. Let's see how this plays out. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously the Americans were not going to go along with a reasonable request like this. <laughs> and we did what Americans do best when me- when we are met with a reasonable request. We meet it. We did an armed insurrection about it. Yep. That's what we do. And at the head of this, marginally, was a U.S. Army Captain John C. Fremont. Uh, he was an author, an explorer. He was the son-in-law of the of a, an expansionist U.S. Senator, Thomas Hart Benton. And he is also fairly famous as an Indian fighter and had massacred hundreds of Native Americans. Nice guy, then. Great guy. And after this decree from General Jose Castro, uh, Fremont saw that war was inevitable and... In agreement with his father-in-law, he saw a major chance for expansion into California, and even though he was a member of the U.S. military, he started the infrastructure and groundwork for an in, for an insurrection in a gov- in a country that we're not at war with. And then things get crazy. Oh, then they do. Yeah. So he starts this thing, and like he's all these American settlers start coming to him because he started rumors that there were 250 Spaniards armed on horseback burning down farms. And was sending out letters to everyone about this. Uh, fairly certain this wasn't happening. There's very little, like, there's no real account of it actually happening. Just looks like, yeah, they were doing it. They were totally doing it. So as a response to this, some people um, said, we're going to help Fremont. So they uh, went and stole 170 horses from the Mexican government, thinking this would slow down their uh, drive to, like, you know, expel all of the Americans. And so, but they get there to him and they realize he does not have a plan. And he's like not really doing anything to protect people. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're here to help you. It's like, cool, what are you going to do? I don't know. We've got this really neat camp, and freedom's <laughs> important. So he was doing nothing. He was just there, like, being a rabble-rouser. So then some people, independently of Fremont, decided, you know what? We're going to seize Sonoma. There's a big stockpile of arms and supplies there. We can just march in and take it all. And even though he wasn't leading it, he, or, like, planning it, he gave it his support. Sorry, I'm just imagining, I know what arms means, and I'm just imagining a big pile of arms. It was a mannequin factory, and they made too many <laughs> arms, and they were just sitting in a warehouse, like, oh my gosh, we put an extra zero after arms, and now we've got too many when we did the order. I feel like I could make something really horrifying out of that. That'd be Dadaism, right? Probably, yeah. Because there's no real reason to make some- Ooh, a, arm, a windmill made out of mannequin arms. That's horrifying! Isn't that Dadaism, though? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I mean, what was the what was the joke in high school about, like, the, the dead babies? Uh, something, there what? was a windmill of dead babies. I, I know the kind of joke you're talking about, but I don't remember it. Yeah, back when we were in high school, I would actually kind of bet this is still a thing. Dead baby jokes were the thing. But I can't remember a single one right now. Although, no, there was one that was a windmill. I don't remember. But I... Yeah, a windmill made of mannequin arms. I feel like that's... You know what? No, fuck it. It's not Dadaism. I'm starting my own art movement where you make stuff out of other stuff and it doesn't matter how good it is or how much sense it makes. It's art now. It's Mattyism. <laughs> Perfect. You've started your own art movement, which is so much more important than being revisionist with your art. No, you need to be original. Yeah, it's um, it's basically chaos theory, but art. I don't Ooh. know anything about chaos theory other than that horrible game show we watched that I'm pretty sure was just chaos theory. 
Um, all I know about chaos theory is that life will find a way because I learned it all from Ian Malcolm in the movie Jurassic Park. Wait, are you saying that my windmill arms are going to breed spontaneously? Those windmills are going to come to life and they're going to crawl across the land, generating but electricity. If, if you don't move, they can't see you. <laughs> I would hope so. <laughs> so yeah, so 30 mem- men got together and decided they were going to attack Sonoma. And Fremont knew about it, didn't lead it, but he gave it his consent. And then um, the leader, marginally, was Ezekiel stuttering Zeke Merritt. Oh, that's nice. And again, Fremont said, oh, he doesn't question my orders. He's perfect to be in charge of this. So he just allowed it. Fremont was not giving any orders. And uh, from here, it's just complete chaos. There's just like every person had their own account of what happened and they differ wildly. (laughs) And we don't know what's true or not. (laughs) So today we decided to try to see if the cats would disrupt us less if we left the door open. Um, We forgot that Draco is actively against literacy and Austin's notes are on a notebook and not a, a tablet like mine. So Draco is has this whole time been very concernedly staring at Austin's notebook, and then he finally found a way over there and was trying to knock the notebook out of his hands. <laughs> so we don't know what the hell happened, but we do know some stuff for sure. It's that about 30 to 33 uh, armed insurrectionists arrived before dawn on June 14th, 1846. This is about a month after the Spanish-American War, had, uh, sorry, the Mexican-American War had started, and we don't know if they actually knew that the Mexican-American War had started or not. The people in California or all participants in the Spanish-American the, War? Because, the people Mexican-American in, War. Uh, the people in California might not have known about the Mexican-American War. This might have just either been, A, it's possible, like, word could have gotten to them about this when and spurred them to start this attack, because it was about a month, so it could have made it out there. So a month until they figured it out, for yeah. sure? Yeah, the, uh, the, Sp- the Mexican-American war-, war had been declared, a, like, almost a month before this. So, it's not like when slavery ended and, you know, took a reasonable amount of time to get from state to state until Texas just ignored it. Yeah. Uh, this was, you know, a reasonable amount of time given, you know, the way they could transport information at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they it might, it might have. It's like, it's possible, but not likely. Uh, they also think that Fremont, because his father-in-law was a senator... And he was in the military, might have known about plans for this war and was kind of given the go ahead of like, hey, this is going to happen. But that's unlikely because before, like when all of this was going on, he actually sent a letter to his father-in-law saying, I resign from the army because I am starting an insurrection in California and I don't want the government to be held responsible. So I quit. So that probably wasn't the case or else he wouldn't have quit his job. The third option is they were just lucky as hell and it just happened to work out this way. Okay. So they do this. Uh, they meet no resistance in Sonoma. And so they decide we're they're just going to go to Commandant Vallejo's house. And he was a retired general who was just in charge of the area. So these men go up to his house and he just goes out and greets them. This is early in the morning. And um, the talk stalled there for a while because none of them spoke Spanish and he didn't speak English. So they had to go around to try and find a translator. So none of... Them thought to bring somebody who was bilingual for this? No, they did not. Okay, like, even somebody who was remotely bilingual, like, back when I was forced to be a translator, I am sorry to all Spanish-speaking people that had to deal with me during that time. I promise I did not apply for that job. So then they did find a translator. It was uh, Vallejo's American brother-in-law who spoke English and Spanish. So he was able to translate. 
And after he heard their demands, Vallejo invited uh, some representatives in for drinks so they could discuss his surrender. Because uh, Vallejo was one of the people thinking, oh, yeah, we should just uh, we should be annexed by America. That's just absolutely what we should do. It's the best interest for everybody. Okay. Uh, sorry, I was I was just had a flashback to a time where I had to translate something I wasn't supposed to hear. Yep. And so he invited them in for drinks. And it was going swimmingly until one of the Americans outside, who they, uh, they also uh, stole some liquor from someone and they were drinking in the sure. early morning, uh-huh. got impatient and went in and arrested Vallejo and said, we're bringing you back as a hostage to our camp. So everything was going fine. Everything was going fine. And then some... He was on their side. Impatient little asshole. Yeah. Vallejo was just confused by this. He was going along willingly. But this caused some divide amongst these 30 men. Um, Some decided, no, screw Fremont. He's betrayed us. He's deceiving us. Let's just stay here and found our own goddamn republic. Some of them were just, like, mad about everything and just realized, hey, Vallejo's friendly. We probably shouldn't do this. So some of them said, about eight or nine decided, we need to go back to Fremont's camp with Vallejo and some others as hostages. And interestingly, while transporting Vallejo to the camp, um, some some people decided, hey, we're just going to free him. So they just walked into camp and were starting to free him and you know, they couldn't do anything about it. And he said, no, no, just just let this happen. I'll be fine. So Vallejo is like still being very chill about. He's like, all I don't this. want. It's like I don't want any bloodshed. Let's just. I'm. I agree with them anyway. I'm sure they'll figure it out. They didn't. He was fine. Vallejo was fine in the end. They just like kept him as. They just kept his son-in-law, who was an American, hostage for a bit. So the one guy who could help them translate, they're yeah. like, nope, fuck you. You're hostage now. Yeah. But meanwhile, the ones who stayed in Sonoma. Uh, decided that they were going to start a republic. And instead of, like, you know, figuring anything out or figuring out representatives or, like, you know, how we're going to do things or laws, they started with the truly most important part. They made a flag. And it was a flag. It has a crude bear drawn in black. Some actually assumed it was a pig. (laughs) It had a red stripe at the bottom and a single red star. Uh, The red dye was actually raspberry juice. Because they didn't have any, like, inks or paints or anything. So they just used what they had at hand. This reminds me of when I was a kid and we had to create our own, like, as a class, we created our own country. Which I, I, it, they actually used my structure for it. This The country was called New Fork. And it was a utensil-based, like, currency system. <laughs> um, but, damn, we had a lot of focus on that flag and no real plans. <laughs> um, I can't remember what a country was, but it worked out so it was... Basically, MTV and the governments was decided by uh, Total Request Live. Yeah, no, mine was, it was all based on utensils and, and kitchenware in some way. And it was an anonymous vote. And like, as in, like, they didn't know who had created which uh, project. This was in fifth grade. My fifth grade teacher actively disliked me. I guarantee if you asked her today, she would admit she actively disliked me. She was so pissed when I won. So it had that, and it also had Republic of California written above the red line. So it was just a, you know, simple flag with a crude bear on it. And then they decided, oh, we should probably make some declarations. And they declared, and I'm paraphrasing this because this was like seven pages and not well written. I mean, shockingly, the, uh, <laughs> shockingly, the, the guy who decided, yeah, let's start a republic. I'm just going to go ahead and steal it from Mexico. Not the best educated. Mm-hmm. Um, basically it was, hey, we're in charge now. Uh, if you don't start shit, we won't start shit. Seriously, we cool? 
Freedom for everyone, except for the Indians. Of course. And we're only going to go do good things. Except, except to the, the Except to the Indians. And he wor- used words, which was, this is my favorite, happyifying. Wait, wait, why is that not a word? I don't know, but he used it. No, I'm trying to think, like, what is the equivalent word to that? There, I don't, like, you've got to use several words, I think, to make that happen. And yet you know exactly what he means. I like this. So. This is the one good thing in his declaration. So this was the founding of the Republic of California. And so I guess they were, st- they were founded with the word happyifying. So it's like, maybe that's what, maybe that's why they're, maybe that's why California girls are so happy. Maybe it's or that or because they have sun and climate uh, and beaches. It's all that vitamin D, man. Yeah. And this repo- That wasn't even an enton- a double entendre. I was literally talking about vitamin D because I have a vitamin D deficiency and I'll tell you it sucks. So this was the glorious rise of the Republic of California and it lasted for a total of 25 days. Okay. Now there were some skirmishes with Mexican forces, but the Mexican-American War had started. So their focus was elsewhere and also this was in California and they had basically been ignoring California for the last 25 years. So, you know, what were they going to do? Um, there were also some arguments within the Republic about this time about the institution of slavery. There were some Americans like, oh my gosh, uh, if we're going to be a Republic, we should have slavery just like we did in... What year is this? This was in... 1846. So didn't we have slavery at that point? We did have slavery. And it's like, hey, we should have slavery in our new republic. But um, Mexico had abolished slavery in 1829. So most of the people that lived there were, it's like, no, no, we shouldn't have slavery. That's a bad idea. Enriching. I yeah. guess that would be the equivalent of happyifying. That's the closest I can get. Yes, yeah. I have been stuck on it this whole time. And I will continue to be stuck on it for like the next week. So yeah, so uh, basically... Every- Everyone, most of the people there were against slavery, so those talks went nowhere. But what about how they wanted to treat the Native Americans? Couldn't <laughs> I mean that was that was just standard for like everyone at the time. We were awful. No, I'm just kind of surprised they weren't like, "Hey, we got these guys here, and we already don't like them." I'm just kind of shocked that they didn't go in that direction. I'm not saying yeah. they should have, and I'm glad that they didn't. So you think like there's this scrappy republic that's getting started when the new U.S. Navy shows up. In Monterey, and they officially annexed California. And again, there was more support for annexation than there was for remaining a republic. And also, the uh, U.S. Navy has lots of cannons, so I felt if they wanted to enforce that point, they could. And even if they had said, oh, no, sorry, we're a republic, um, I feel like when they discovered gold in 1849 and the gold rush started, America would have just claimed it anyway. It's like, oh, oh, you're a state now. That would have happened with everything I know about our history. So the bear flag they'd made uh, ended up being gifted to the son of one of the naval officers. And it kind of just got passed around from like various naval bases and naval museums in the area until it ended up being destroyed in the uh, San Francisco earthquake and fire. And eventually uh, in 1911, the state of California adopted the flag they have now, which is just a bear walking around with a red star and a red line and Republic of California on it. So they took the same thing, but it, they made it more obviously a bear. Can you be both a republic and a state? Yeah. So are they technically a sovereign? I don't understand what these words mean. Like this is, again, this is one of those things that I don't know if you learned it in school and I just missed it because I moved a lot. I mean, it's like how Virginia is a commonwealth. It's just a word. Just it's the Republic of California. That's now, what it is. Now isn't this it's like a, a flag a... based on them actively trying to not be part of the United States? Kind of. It's, again, like, 
we don't know what their motivations were in all of this. All of them had a different story and lots of them didn't want to talk about it. So this is just like, yeah, we, uh, we did this. We found the Republic, but it lasted 25 days. Wait, so it's kind of like there was that um, massive set of protests, I want to say God, probably 10 years ago now, where just all across the country, people that were about our age back then were just like protesting and people would ask them why they are protesting and every single one would have a different answer. And so, you know, we look at it, they looked at it even then they're like, they don't have a reason, but for them it was, we're just generally unhappy with the way the world is going and we feel like the government needs to like look at all of the problems. Maybe that's what this was. It's yep. like, we're just generally displeased with the, with both sides. Yeah. And it gets so much better because we don't know what their motivations for any of this. So we have no clue what most of the flag means. Like to this day, we don't know. Like, why is it a bear? The best guess we have is that, well, there were lots of bears in the area and bears are kind of cool. So maybe that's why they picked it. I mean, bears are kind of cool. And the, the, oh, by the way, they were called oh, it was like Los Osos or the bear flaggers by people. So it was pretty neat. Like, if I, please, if I was going to like, if I was going to have to like make a flag and run around with it, I think I'd go with the one with a bear on it. Oh, I think you'd go with the one with Bigfoot on it. Don't lie. Absolutely, I would. You look down I, to see if you had your Bigfoot shirt I was not wearing my Bigfoot shirt. I felt really happy for a second. Then I was You wore it down. yesterday. I washed it. The star, they think, is just influenced by the flag of Texas with their lone star. Because, like, hey, Texas at the time was a republic. So it's like, I guess we'll do that now, they think. The red stripe, we've got no clue. And the Republic of California, it's they just left it on the flag. I don't know if they're a republic or not. I have not looked at the founding documents of California because they became a state in, like, 1850. So that was just, like, four years later. So, yeah, just to, like, sum it all up, like... California, like, was being was being ignored by the Mexican government, and they were already discussing leaving and becoming Americans anyway, and the local authorities were sympathetic towards Americans, and, like, we they just happened to have a revolt about the same time, and, like, everyone was super fine with becoming Americans as the Mexican-American War started, and then they put a bear on a flag, and the Republic lasted for 25 days before America finally showed up and said, it's cool, you're fine, we're here. Just really weird bit of history about why California's flag is what it is. And again, most American story ever. It's got like... Wait a sec, wait, wait. They created a flag, which one could call a piece of art, but nobody knew the point behind it. That flag is Dadaism. I regret ever covering that topic. <laughs> it has been my life. Like, we can't see a thing. It's like, she'll look out at the street and she'll see a paper bag blow by and she'll say, hey, is that Dadaism? No. <laughs> oh, okay. But in American Beauty, was the plastic bag Dadaism? Because it really had no meaning, no matter what that movie tried to ascribe to it. I don't know. I've, I've not seen American Beauty. <gasps> I will not see American Beauty. Oh my god, I'm going to force you to watch American Beauty just because if I've seen it, you have to be tortured by it too. Is this like Rent all over again? Oh no, at least Rent had enjoyable moments. I don't remember a single enjoyable part about American Beauty. Why would you torture me like this? Because I have to have parts of this wedged in my memory, and you and I have to share everything. We're married. I guess we Healthy do. marriage. Healthy marriage. Are you ready for questions? Yes. All right. Will the fact that uh, Fremont was the son of a senator and just didn't really do anything, but was totally there, be on the test? You forgot to write down questions, didn't I you? I totally did. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, that's an essential part of this. Well, the fact that we don't know why there's a bear on this flag beyond the test. 
No, they'll make something up. It's like, I feel like just not knowing why a bear is somewhere is a way bigger problem. It's like, what's that bear <laughs> um, doing it's there? It's better than not knowing why a bear isn't where it's supposed to be. It's like, holy shit, where'd the bear go? Yeah, like, I feel like I'd rather not, like, see a bear and not know why it's there, but be aware that the bear is there, than know a bear is supposed to be in a certain location and the bear is missing. Well, the fact that drunken belligerence was central to the founding of California beyond the test? <laughs> no. <laughs> And, well, the fact that they probably through blind luck did this as the Mexican-American War was going on beyond the test? Yes. Yeah. So that is why there's a bear on California's flag. The answer being, we have no idea. We don't know. But these guys did it, and... It sounds like a frat that tried to declare sovereignty. <laughs> it, might, it probably was. Like, they would be about the right age for the most part, and they were drunk, and they had a flag, and frats have flags, and, you know, frats seem exempt from a lot of the rules of the university that sponsors them. It's like, oh, I agree with you. This is great. Well, we're arresting you. Okay, but I agree with you and want to help you. Nice try to jail. <laughs> okay, so I actually remembered a couple of things from this week that we normally would have talked about from the beginning. Okay. I'm going to keep it short. Um, so, first of all, I mentioned that Austin's flag would have Bigfoot on it. We had a lot lengthy discussion about Bigfoot, and we figured out why Bigfoot could potentially exist and we haven't found him. Because what if the Bigfoot that is in the most reliable video was just unusually large? What if they are actually more close to human-sized? And therefore, when you would, like, see tracks in the woods, you'd be like, oh, one of those people wearing those barefoot shoes. Yeah. And... If they are of relative to human intelligence, which is the which is the prevailing belief, they would know to hide and they would have like places they live and things like that. Yeah, I I, I believe that Bigfoot could be real. I am not convinced that he is. Nobody's a myth. like yeah. That, it's one of those things where it's you know you first of all you can't prove a negative to begin with, but also ah, uh, but you also can't disprove a negative either. Yeah, so it's one of those things where like this is what being a skeptic is: is going I would like proof. And I, but I'm not going to declare a, a side. But out of a lot of them, I think Bigfoot's one of the more likely ones that Bigfoot probably lives in a cave system and has a fairly sophisticated uh, burial or other, other death ritual. Yep. All right. And the other thing was that I won the purge this week. You did win the purge. <laughs> okay, we didn't have a purge. We should be very clear about this. Did you purge without me? Okay, we're, we're referring to the movie purge. We're not like puking everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, I won the purge this week, though, because we were discussing, like, what would be legal and what would not be legal during the purge. Like, if this was to actually happen, we talked about this for, like, three days straight because that's how bored we've been. But I won the purge because in order to prove identity theft and fraud, you have to prove a crime was committed against you. Otherwise, you can never get your money or anything similar back. So I would just use the purge, when, in which case no crime is being committed, to steal someone's identity, take their money, and ruin their credit score forever. And they can't do anything about it because they can't prove a crime was committed against them because no crime was. See, here I was thinking I was being so clever with the, oh boy, if we can just, you can just declare bankruptcy and include your student loans on it to get rid of your student loans. And meanwhile, like, she's playing, like, fifth-dimensional chess and 20 moves ahead of me. <laughs> I mean, I was telling him, and I know this, like, because Austin, it's all started because Austin was talking about how he was, he's like, I hang out with you too much, so I figured out, like, the best way to be a serial killer, which is, I, I don't know if I agree with it. 
It's a good debate, though. But I was, but then I was like, Austin, you know, I would never kill somebody because that's not how you ruin them. You ruin their credit score. It makes the rest of their life hell. <laughs> if I this really, is what I live with. If I really hated somebody, I would use the purge to ruin their credit score. So this is why we can't have the purge, guys. <laughs> There's like Maddie's in the world. It's like, you'll think, oh boy, I get to run around shooting people. And the next day you wake up and your bank account's empty. And your someone else's cards your- are maxed out. I own your car now. And yeah. there is nothing you can do, but it will make work super awkward on Monday. <laughs> Actually, I like everyone I work with, so it yeah. wouldn't be anybody like that. Oh, I know exactly who I'd go after with this. Exactly. See, I'm torn because I have somebody who I would like to like mess with their lives, but they don't have enough money for it to be worth my time. It's true. <laughs> really, you could say they've purged themselves. But I feel like it'd be too hard to get Je- to Jeff Bezos, so we're going to have to find someone in between. Yeah. Okay, so that was our week. Um, now I'm going to talk about my stuff. Talk about your stuff. Which is like the opposite of what I just said about how we should ruin people's lives by feeling their credit scores. <laughs> Um, So I was actually going to this week talk about the annexation and statehood of Hawaii because we're hitting the anniversary of Hawaii becoming a state. But then I saw Austin's notes and realized it was too similar. And then um, I also realized I need to read a whole ass book. And that's going to take me a minute. And there are no bears in hers. I don't know yet. I haven't gotten that far. But um, I highly recommend, even if I'm going to cover this in the future... Go do some research about how we got hold of Hawaii, because it is fucked up. When I was in school, we just learned, and then Hawaii became a state. It is, the story leading up to it is horrific, but that's not what I'm talking about. So, everyone, raise your hand if you're bad at taking compliments. My hand is currently in the air. Mine too. If you, our listeners, raised your hand, A, I hope you're in public and you confused everyone around you because that's awesome. And B, you're probably in the majority, even if you only raised your hand in your head, because you didn't want to be the awesome person raising your hand in the middle of a target. A study by Christopher Littlefield, an an employee appreciation specialist and Harvard Business Review contributor, says that nearly 70% of, quote, people associated feelings of embarrassment or discomfort with recognition or receiving a compliment, unquote. So nearly 70% of people are bad at getting compliments. They don't, it it makes them uncomfortable. And part of that is that we feel like we genuinely can't just say, oh, thank you. And even if we can, we feel like we need to compliment them in return, which is what we were taught as children. If somebody gives you a compliment, you have to immediately think of something nice to say about them, too. You remember that? Yeah. Somebody says, I like your shoes. You have to immediately think of something you like that they're doing. And it's awkward. And they know to expect it. It becomes a transaction rather than a compliment. And compliments should always be sincere. That doesn't mean there's never a time for a compliment to a compliment, but it shouldn't be a transaction. So that so complimenting someone returned by force kind of defeats the purpose. When I started researching this, article after article um, with varying levels of reliability decided to focus on one thing. The reason we can't accept compliments is because we have low self-esteem. But do you think, like, think about all the people you know. If 70% of people aren't good at accepting compliments, that means 70% of the people you know can't accept compliments, which means 70% of your people you know have low self-esteem? That might be true for me, but... 
I kind of doubt that 70% of the people in everybody's life has low self-esteem. Everybody has bad days. Everybody has doubts, but not everybody has straight up low self-esteem. So let's dig into today some of the reasons the psych, like, I've been doing a psych episode, guys. You know how much I love doing my psychological episodes. Um, Some of the reasons we might have a hard time taking compliments, whether or not we should just take a compliment, and if so, how we should take compliments. You ready? Ready. All right. So why do we have a difficult time taking compliments? Low self-esteem. Now, I know it sounds like I just said, screw that answer, but that's not what I meant. There are people who do have low self-esteem. I just don't think it's 70% of people. And it would be disingenuous to say that self-esteem plays zero role. If you don't feel good about yourself in general, you'll have a hard time believing people aren't lying to you when they have something good to say about you. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. And then bad timing. You're just having a really bad day where you hate yourself a whole lot and they give you a compliment and you don't believe them. And you immediately want to reject the compliment because you kind of want to sit in your bad mood or you just literally can't believe anybody has something good to say about you that day. Or you're just annoyed that someone's coming up to you in general and they're wasting your time with this. I know my hair's amazing. Hair? What little there is. <laughs> Austin does have a great beard. I do. Listen to him accepting a compliment. Uh, do you want a transactional one? You're looking at me now. Um, no, I was, ha- just, I was just pointing out that you accepted a compliment. You you have um, a face. It's all there. All the important face parts. Right there. I think you need to go now. <laughs> I'm bad at giving compliments, too. Uh, that's actually a thing, too, but I'm actually not getting into that today. Uh, anxiety. And I mean legitimate like diagnosable anxiety, especially diagnosable social anxiety. Uh, If you have especially social anxiety, but any kind of anxiety, you may not trust the compliment or understand how to respond to it or know what this person really wants. If they want something in return, you don't like you have all these thoughts and feelings that boil up at the same time and make you not know what to do about it. So you just reject it entirely. And sometimes if you have like this kind of anxiety, social anxiety, you kind of like to have a script in your head for what you should do in different social situations. You like to have this prescribed list of what to expect. Now, if like you might have one for if somebody says they like your dress, you might have a script. But if somebody says, hey, great job on this report. I especially liked how you organized the files in this section of blah, blah, blah. I don't know how to respond to this right now. Um, there was never a script for how to respond to how I made up my, my Excel sheet. <laughs> Which is a completely understandable thing. And like, hell, just thinking about this whole thing makes me anxious. (laughs) I am not good with the people or the compliments. Except for if you gave us a five-star review and a rating. I am very good with that. And if you do it, I will awkwardly compliment like your shoes, even though I can't see you because you're just a review on the internet. I don't even know. Actually, anonymous thank yous or uh, anonymous um, compliments are a really great thing as long as they are directly to somebody and sincere. But I'll talk about that. Actually, I don't have that written down. I'll talk about it later anyway. Imposter syndrome, kind of a combination of everything above where you like logically know that you belong here. Otherwise, you would not be here. But you really feel like you're eventually going to get found out that you're not actually good enough to be here. And this compliment could be a trick. All compliments are traps. Surprise. (gasps) You're just going about your day when someone says something nice about you. How dare they? Our natural reaction to surprises is to immediately try to rationalize them in some way. You may remember from our episode on epigenetics 
that we have this like innate memory that we need to be on the defensive anytime something unexpected happens. So as so somebody just surprised you and it's a positive, but your your like hind brain goes, danger. So is that way it's like, oh my gosh, I love your shirt. It's like, thanks, it was on sale. It's like, yes, that is the, um, that's actually, oh my God, guys, I read this really interesting study about things that we say in response to compliments and things that, and the way people do, like people give compliments. It was so fascinating. I mean, it would have made this so long. Um, but one of them was feeling the need to respond with additional information beyond thank you. Um, but it's thank you, but as opposed to thank you because. So thank you, but this was on sale. It's really not that big of a deal. Um, so as soon, though, as we realize we aren't in danger, we have to try to make a perspective sh- uh, shift. Okay, not in danger, but what does this actually mean? And I had my brain in a different spot a second ago, so I need to divert what's happening right now so I can process it more. Um, or we divert, and this I thought was a really interesting theory that was put forth. We were surprised by this, like this compliment came out of nowhere. So we divert it, we change the subject, we don't accept it, because we are afraid that we're being lulled into a false sense of security that could become a danger in the future. And then faith and culture. If you are raised in a religion or a culture where compliments are frowned upon, that you shouldn't be arrogant, that all glory goes to a deity, that you should respond by it was on sale, whatever, this can affect your ability to take compliments later in life. So, for instance, if you are in a religion where all glory goes to your deity, your job is to not accept the compliment, but basically be like, oh, well, you know, our deity gave me this, or our deity is the really, really the one to thank, uh, whatever. Um, or in the Midwest, we have Midwest niceness. In this culture, we can't be arrogant and we have to deflect all compliments in some way, because if we don't, we aren't being nice. We are being arrogant. Also, we have to compliment the other person, too. So we have to both deny the compliment to us, but give one to them. So if they're like, oh, we really loved your casserole, we're supposed to respond with, oh, no, your casserole was way better. Because casseroles are all we eat. Also, casseroles are the shit. Okay, so I had a recipe book come through this week. It was the uh, Great Minnesota Hot Dish Cookbook. Oh, my God. Uh, I want you to guess how much curry powder went into a curry hot dish. One teaspoon. One quarter teaspoon in a hot dish that serves six. Okay, I really want to try a hot dish sometime, though. Like, I know that I've had casserole, like, all sorts. I've even introduced you to new casseroles, because I love casserole, guys. I've never had hot dish. I went to Minnesota, and it's a, apparently one of those things that's just served in homes. Yeah, you can't go to a... You can't there's no such thing as a hot dish restaurant, because no one would go there. Mm-hmm. Like, hot dish, it's... It's the food of the potluck. And then we have social expectations. Beyond faith and culture, it's fairly universal, at least in the States, that you are absolutely to be humble and modest at all times. You cannot brag about yourself. You cannot do anything that could be interpreted as bragging about yourself. So you aren't supposed to compliment yourself. And when someone else compliments you, if you say, oh, thank you, you feel like you're complimenting yourself. Even though most people around you are not going to think anything of it, and if it happens like at a staff meeting, they'll just be glad that Janine didn't make the meeting take longer this time. With her goddamn questions, Janine. So we feel like we have to deny this compliment. This is a kind of a statewide, uh, uh, United States-wide thing. We feel like we have to deny the compliment, otherwise we're bragging. Which is weird because, like, think about what Austin just read and like all the stuff we've talked about about with like American patriotism. 
this whole, uh, you know, 90-something episodes at this point, it seems weird. It does. Uh, and then gender. To be clear, this particular study was done involving non-American cultures. I actually had a really hard time finding how different genders accept compliments because of the Me Too movement, which, don't get me wrong, the Me Too movement was a good thing. But everything I could find was about why, like, why and how and when men should compliment women. So, but this is one study I did found from pre that um, women were more likely to accept compliments, especially if they were about their appearance, while men were less likely to accept compliments in general, which I thought was interesting. However, they did find that native Mandarin Chinese speakers who were in the study were more likely to just accept the compliment in general uh, over Australian English speakers. Hmm. So there is something cultural happening where people in Australia, at least, are less likely to accept compliments than people in China. Shyness. Basically, you just don't want people to realize you're there and a compliment draws attention to you. (laughs) The other person. You don't trust this person, so why should you trust this compliment? Oh my, yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. It's like, whoa. Um, hurt. So at some point prior to this, whether or not it was this person, you got complimented, but with a provision like, yeah, keep it up, um, which kind of hurts you because it's like, okay, so I'm going to disappoint you later. Or um, you wanted to get complimented for something you'd worked really hard on and nobody seemed to notice. And so your feelings were hurt that way. So you start to not want to respond to compliments because they don't feel real to you. And, you know, if they didn't notice that one time, why are they noticing now? And there's always going to be a a provision. Now, here's going to come. This is the longest reason and the one that some of us can probably relate to in some way. Um, Childhood. Your childhood. First question. Were you praised as a kid at all? If so, were the results more important than the effort? When you did succeed at something, uh, like you worked really hard and got an A, were they proud of you and said, hey, good job, You did. I saw how hard you work, or did they ask you why it wasn't an A+. If it was an A+, did they say, hey, great job, you worked really hard, or did they say, well, then why don't you get an A+, every time? This makes you not trust praise. Were your options, is another section, when you were a child, were your options criticism or a total lack of acknowledgement it could be both sometimes well it's like uh, in that harvard business review article i mentioned he quoted one of the participants as saying quote in my house if you are not told you're doing something wrong you're doing it right but don't expect to be complimented unquote so basically this person's options were be told you're doing something wrong or not be acknowledged at all at no point were they told you're doing something correctly, good or even good job, or thank you. Your options were you're doing this wrong or silence, which means that when you get a compliment, it confuses you. You don't know what this person's motivation is. You don't know how to respond because you don't have a training behind you to, to respond to it. Was praise used, but inauthentically? For instance, would they always want something in return if they gave you a compliment? I don't mean another compliment. I mean like, hey, great job painting the fence. Since you're so good at that, now can you go paint the house? Because you because you accepted the compliment. Okay, guys, and I want to make it clear. This is why millennials and younger do not say you're welcome when we are told thank you. Because you're welcome, like by definition, means you are welcome to this. You are welcome to us. You are welcome to our time. I'm not saying you're welcome is an incorrect response. And if you say it, that's great. But... If we say no problem or sure thing or whatever, we are ending that transaction. 
No problem. This time. Sure thing. This time. That is where that comes from, everybody. I have solved the mystery for you. Because a lot, like a lot of us and our parents too grew up with great job on this because you did such a great job. Here's the next thing I have to have you do. Where, you know, if you had the lazy classmate who did nothing, they were never asked to do anything else. Austin knows what I mean. We all had that classmate. Oh, yes. And then also inauthentic praise. Would you watch your parents or somebody else heap praise on somebody and the moment they left, start talking shit on them? Oh, all the time. Which made you think, okay, compliments are lies. Yeah. Like, oh, it's... Or, you, you, did you have something to say? You want me to Oh, keep just going? like, man, that is like, that is like just workplace, like all of the time. Or even with like friends, like, oh yeah, it's so good to see you. Like, oh my God. I can't and believe she did that. we would be lying if anybody who says they've never done that would be lying. Yeah. Anybody. It's about a consistency thing here. Mm. Um, And then we're talking about inauthentic praise. Was praise used as a weapon? Would somebody in your class constantly be praised? A sibling constantly be praised? Someone around you constantly praised while you did not get any? It makes you kind of go, I don't trust it when it comes at me now. Or I've seen this used as a weapon. Who are we hurting now? If you're complimenting me, you must be hurting someone else. And I'm not comfortable with this. Um, And then this is kind of an interesting one. Were you praised too much? I can safely say that's no. (laughs) So as you grow up, you don't really know what's real and what's not. And then when you got into adulthood or anything where that stopped, did you not know how to handle it? And so now, like, as you get older, you start to realize, oh, shit, I was praised too much for things that I, like, and now you start to realize, why are you praising me? I don't understand what's going on right now. Or you start to, like, really glom onto the people who do it because that's what you know. Like, it's either way you start to be unable to accept compliments, at least in a healthy way. And then we'll get you out of the childhood, guys. Take a deep breath now. You're fine. Well, you're not because we're talking about epigenetics. Oh, no. (laughs) Epigenetics, I mentioned this. We're programmed to look for negatives to protect ourselves. While we are unlikely to be attacked by that bear that we don't know where or why it's there. It's on on the flag now. It's fine. (laughs) Um, Just because someone said you had a nice haircut, it is a social interaction where you feel you have some kind of obligation that you do not understand at that moment. And if you do not fulfill that obligation correctly, there could be dire consequences. So your epigenetic brain is going, if this is not handled correctly, we are all going to die. And that that sounds like an exaggeration, but part of your brain is constantly looking out for how you're going to die in that moment. The answer is always bears, by the way. All right. So those are the reasons that we can't accept compliments. There's a lot out there about how we give compliments and why, but that's not the purpose of today. So a quick summary of that is women are more likely to give them an imbalance of power affects how often they're given. And it's actually more like people that are in a lower station are less likely to give them to a person in a higher station um, because you don't know how it's like you feel weird complimenting your boss, basically. Um, and people, this guys, this is the thing. People usually mean it. They, unless it's one of those dumbass assignments in school where you have like a compliment board and everybody's expected to put something on it. Oh, God. Um, as long as they're not being forced to give you a compliment, people usually are doing it because they mean it. Now, I'm not talking about creeps in bars who are talking about your boobs. That is not a compliment. That is a creep in a bar who deserves to be kicked in the nuts. But people generally do mean it. Um, but this is what I was actually going to mention about anonymous compliments. Giving compliments can be hard, especially because it's not so much that you don't want them to feel good. It's that you're kind of vulnerable sometimes, like when you're complimenting somebody on something. In a way, it's like thanking them. It's showing gratitude. 
So anonymous, I used to do an assignment in class where it was pick any adult in the building who is not me. That was my rule. Like, And I was like, I'm not saying you would want to do one for me. I'm just saying like, it's weird. Who is not me? Any adult at all. And you can write them as long or as short a note as you want, telling them why you appreciate them, in what way they've helped you. It has to be anonymous. Um, and I will deliver them myself. And they will never find out it was you. And like, at least not from me and and not from you. You keep your mouth shut too. That way they get to feel good and there is no obligation to do anything in return. They don't have that social anxiety that comes with it. You just reminded me of the absolute dumbest assignment I have ever had to do in school. I loved this assignment. No, no, this is a good assignment. I'm talking about the bad version of this assignment that I had to do. Wait, did you have one of those trees that you had to stick like compliments in people's envelopes and some kids mm. never got them? No, it was... We had um, a assignment about random acts of kindness. Oh, no, 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 no. In which we were expected to perform a certain amount of random extras of random acts of kindness for an assignment. No, and those are also not acts of kindness. Those are acts of niceness. There is a huge difference. But I'll talk about that another time. No, it has to be genuine. And if I had had a kid come to me and say, I can't think of a single adult in the building, I would have found an alternative for them. Like, and I think I even told them that. I was like, guys, and I know some of you are new here. Some of you may have had a really bad last couple of years. If you feel like you can't do this, come talk to me. We will figure out something else. I never did have a kid who couldn't think of a single person because I made it clear. I'm like, this does not have to be a teacher. There could be a cafeteria worker who you really like. You could thank our custodians for keeping the school clean. Like, if you can't think of somebody who directly helped you, think about somebody who you know helps the school. I never had a kid who couldn't think of someone after I gave them, like, that provision. And I feel like it frees you up to when you're anonymous to say, like, this is back to the whole, like, leaving comments and compliments on podcasts or anything else. When you're hiding behind a screen, it's a lot easier to tell people what you think, especially when your photo's not attached to it, which is why it's easier for people to be assholes, but it also is easier to be nice. Yeah. Or kind or whatever. Go with that route. Come on, guys. It's so much easier to be nice online. You don't have to be a jerk. Just because someone said the wrong droid did something in Star Wars doesn't mean you need to bully them off of Twitter. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving forward. In a post on Talkspace.com, the main reason, the main responses to compliments if you struggle to take them so if you're part of that 70% are deflection, reciprocation, or discounting. We brush them off or give someone else credit. We give a disingenuous compliment in return, making it a transaction, or we deny it entirely, saying all of these things, we ca- all of these reasons that we can't get this compliment. This is not for me. Oh, wow. You just had like a stunning indictment of me. <laughs> so should you respond to compliments in these ways? I don't know. Generally, no. Generally, you should accept the compliment. So long as it's A, actually intended for you, meaning like, if they were like, hey, Austin, great job on this. And you were like, wait a second. You go, oh, no, you mean the other Austin. Go talk to that Austin. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only time where you'd be like, absolutely deny the compliment is when it was not intended for you. And B, it's not creepy. It's like, obviously, if the drunk guy grabs your ass and tells you you have a nice ass, that is not a compliment and you do not have to accept it. And if there is a topic that makes you uncomfortable, like someone commenting on your weight loss or your pregnancy or whatever, you can flat out tell them, this makes me uncomfortable, or you can just change the subject. You are never obligated to remain in a conversation that makes you uncomfortable in any way. But if it is not a bad situation, and it is intended for you, it can be of great benefit for you to accept the compliment. First, and this is actually true, based on like research by people who study psychology, it's considered rude to not accept the compliment. 
This is an opposition to our belief that it'll come across as arrogant to accept the compliment. In general, the person who complimented you meant it, and you just hurt their feelings. Plus, this is probably intended to be a short interaction, and so deflecting or denying or whatever makes the interaction last longer, and now that person feels an obligation to do emotional labor for you to make you really believe in yourself finally, when they were like, I really was just saying this as I went to the bathroom, please let me pee. And it makes them feel good to make you feel good. It's like, you, we all know that person or are that person who on Christmas or whatever holiday would be perfectly happy to not get anything so long as they got to watch everybody else open presents that they gave them. That's what it's like giving a compliment. So if you say no, it'd be like rejecting that person's present to you out of hand. It's like, how dare you? I wanted the ultra light fishing rod, not the featherweight fishing rod. Slap. I mean, that's a real thing that people do. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. My mom trained me so hard on how to accept gifts. Like to this day though, like one of my, if I'm having a bad day, one of the memories I think about uh, is a time where I gave someone a compliment and they gave me a genuine thank you. Like I got a full on like leapt on me hug. They were so excited to have gotten this compliment from me. And so when I'm having a bad day, that's one of the memories I go to is the time I gave it one of my students a compliment and they were so excited that someone had noticed that I got like a giant hug out of nowhere. I think I'm getting better about accepting compliments. Like the one time I think I'm really bad is when someone's thanking me for like something work related. And it's like, thank you. But, uh, but you should be thanking the entire team because it's not just me. I'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. Um, secondly, it's good for you in more than one way. When you smile, because let's be honest, the compliment does for at least a second make you feel good. When you smile, your brain re- releases neuropeptides that lower stress, endorphins, serotonin, and dopamine. If you respond to a compliment with a smile, you start to get that little rush and you uh, associate that feeling with getting and then accepting the compliment. So it becomes easier over time and it helps your mental health to get these. Additionally, it, excuse me, additionally, it can be good for you in a tangible way. Imagine your boss comes up to you and says, you did a great job on this report. And you say something like, I just, you know, I feel like I'm still not there yet. You show a lack of confidence in both your ability and their ability to recognize talent. So then time comes to choose someone for promotion. They might be worried about your confidence in settling into a new role. They probably won't consciously have been offended by anything you said. They're probably not actually thinking, oh, you don't trust my ability. But somewhere in the back of their mind, that could be doing something as well. Thirdly, nodding, not accepting a compliment can backfire because people may view it as fishing for compliments. And maybe you are. I'm going to call you out. If you're a compliment fisher, you suck. Fishing for compliments is consciously or unconsciously rejecting compliments to get more compliments. People get annoyed by this and you come across as arrogant, unlike when you just accepted the first one. Now, I won't pretend, though, that it's easy to get past all of that psychological stuff and just accept the compliments. But I am going to give you some tips about how to get better at it. First and foremost, if you really struggle with accepting compliments or feeling good about any part of your life, get some professional help. There is no shame in that. Remember, though, I am not a doctor. I am not a psychologist. I am not giving you official medical advice in any way. These are just things that I have found work based on the research I did today, the research I've done for previous projects, and working as a teacher. All right, number one, compliment yourself. Now, I hate affirmations. Austin can attest to this. I'm not somebody who stands in the mirror and and goes, you are good enough, you are smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you. Or I guess it was all in 
Oh, affirmations are in the first person. So I am, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, there are people like me, which I just found out that was Al Franken playing Stuart Smalley, which blew my fucking mind. What? Um, for me, affirmations work better if it's something specific, which is actually what compliments should be. Um, something specific and action based. So like I saying I'm good enough, smart and smart enough. I have no real control over whether I'm good enough or smart enough, but I am good. I have control over whether I try to become these things. But I can also say things like, damn, I just finished that, uh, that essay for work and I killed it. And I can say that to myself all I want. Even if nobody else says it to me, saying it to myself makes me feel pretty damn good. And I learned to accept that compliment, at least internally. Or if you're having like the worst time, just getting out of bed is hard. Getting out of bed and going, huh, got out of bed. I fucking rock. <laughs> Things like that. Now, if affirmations in the traditional sense work for you, great, do them. But you can also reframe them that way. Two, stop criticizing yourself. Looking in the mirror and going, I need to lose weight or thinking I'm stupid. I suck. This one little mistake has defined my entire life. If you find yourself doing that, try to change the narrative or at least stop them. I'm not saying immediately compliment yourself because you might not be there yet. It might still feel like a lie, but at least try to get to a neutral place. Three, compliment others. Avoid compliments on anything related to personal appearance except for something that is a clear choice like clothing or a new haircut. Something like someone's, any part of someone's body, don't talk about it. Even if it's a comment like, man, you look so great. Look at all the weight you lost. I'm sorry. Prove to me that they didn't lose it in an unsafe way or for an unsafe reason or because of a disease or something. No, don't compliment them on that. Compliment them on how great their skirt is. And then they'll tell you it has pockets, which is deflecting. Um, <laughs> focus on things that they did well as well. Like you did really well in this report. Do not add something like keep it up because that adds pressure to keep trying. Like keep it up means I won't allow for fuck ups in the future and you should actually compliment people on things they failed on so long as you saw them try. Like, hey, I know that didn't work out, but I really liked the presentation you gave, gave on it. I think I made some really good points. Like, failure is fine. Four, take a beat. When someone compliments you before you immediately blurt out a rejection, think about why you're about to reject it. Take a breath and then just say whatever you're going to say to accept it. Five, take time to reflect on why you wanted to reject it. So after the situation, think like, like, why did I want to reject that compliment? What, like you can journal about it, you can think about it, whatever it might be. That way you can start to work past whatever was going to stop you. Uh, six, practice a response. So I've mentioned earlier, if you have social anxiety, you like to have scripts, but you don't necessarily need a, to be socially anxious to want a script. So practice, how do I accept a compliment? And especially do this if you're about to get an award where you know somebody, people are going to keep saying stuff for you. And in that case, find somebody who will help you practice, like somebody who will like change the script on you so that you have to alter your response script. That way you know how to do it. Seven, find little things in your life you are grateful for. And I don't necessarily mean people. I mean like, hey, the weather is nice today. Being able to feel gratitude towards a concept or a person or something can make you understand why people might want to compliment you. Because like on a nice day, you actually go outside and you say, man, it's a nice day. Like you say this out loud, even though no one's listening. It's a but beautiful you day. But like, you want to tell this day, damn, you're a nice day. So think about that. Next time somebody comes up and compliments you, they're basically doing that. They're saying, we just really like, damn, it's a nice day. But damn, that was a nice report. Don't, don't compliment the nice day on its amazing butt. Especially, yes. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, eight, don't continue the cycle. If you were raised in one of these situations I talked about above, be aware of that. Watch what you're about to say to your, or not say to or around or about your own children. Stop the cycle so they don't have to go through this. And then nine, I'm going to embarrass Austin here. 
Okay. Find your lobster. Unfriends, you know, when Phoebe is like, well, he's her lobster. And lobsters, you know, you know, you can even see old lobster couples in the tank walking around holding claws. It's the person that you're supposed to be with. And this is the person who will make you feel good no matter what. Well, not no matter what. If you're being an asshole, they might not make you feel good. Um, but this is the person who will let you brag about yourself without going, Ugh, you're so arrogant. Um, or trying to take you down a peg. I'm, like, I, my ex-husband was a take you down a peg kind of person. So I came home and was like, I, well, guess what this cool thing I did today was? He goes, oh, yeah, well, guess what I did today? Or really? Like, that's all? You're coming home and telling me about this? Like, that kind of shit? That sucks. Um, but somebody who you can come home and be like, I did this really cool thing today. And they're like, oh, tell me more. And, or like out of nowhere, they say to you, it's like, when you're stressed out, it's like, hey, I'm really proud of you for trying so hard on this. Or, um, like Austin will out of the blue, just be like, I'm really proud of you for being this kind of person. And I'm still getting comfortable with it because like I mentioned, my ex-husband was not like that. I'm still working on it. I definitely get a, like, deer in headlights stun look every time I compliment her. Yeah, because getting compliments was transactional for me until until Austin came along. Um, and with Austin, too, I can say, okay, Austin, I'm going to need some praise because I just did something real cool. And Austin doesn't think it's weird that I'm asking for praise because I think he understands that praise isn't necessarily going to come from anyone else. Um, and you shouldn't, you should never expect praise. Like it's not going to happen all the time, but finding someone who you can look at and say, okay, I did this really cool thing. And I just want somebody else to agree that it's really cool. It makes you feel good when you find your lobster, the person who will tell you that it was cool. Oh, I'm glad to know that I am a horrifying sea bug to you. But then earlier on, he says to me, oh, well, my compliment to you is you have a face. So maybe I'm wrong about this. I was, it was a bit, it was, do you want me to actually compliment you? Is that what you want? You want me to do this here in front of our podcast? No. We're all... All five of our <laughs> listeners can hear us? In front of my salad. <laughs> so let's go into what do you say when someone compliments you? Thank you. Thank you. Followed by why you appreciate what they're saying, especially if they were specific. Like if they just say good job, you might not have a lot to say beyond thank you. And that's fine. And if you can only get out thank you because being okay with compliments is new, that's fine. But if they say If they they say, hey, that was a great job, you can say, thank you. I worked really hard. Or thank you. This was a labor of love for me. Or thanks. Yeah, I was really excited to find these shoes. Whatever it is. Thank you. And it's kind of a yes and situation. Think of it as improv. Yes, I did do this awesome thing. And here's why I appreciate you mentioning it. If credit is due to someone else as well, give it to them. Don't deflect and say you had nothing to do with it or you downplay your own role. Unless that's true and they confused you with somebody else with the same name. So say something like, thank you, Jamie and I worked really hard on this project. I'll pass your kind words unto Jamie. Like letting them know. It's like, yes, we worked equally hard and I'll make sure that Jamie knows you appreciated it. And that way they also know, oh, Jamie worked equally hard. So they might yeah. talk to Jamie. Um, if you did the bulk of it, but there's another person who did a certain aspect that saved your ass, you could say something like, thank you, I worked really hard on it. But I do have to give credit to Jamie for tra- for transcribing those interviews for me. That was hugely helpful. You took the credit because you deserved the credit, but Jamie deserved credit for their portion. Yep. Uh, this is doubly important if the person who worked with you on the project is statistically less likely to get complimented or credited by the higher ups. Um, you know, somebody who is female or not white or not straight. However, you should still do this if they are a cisgender straight man, just because it's the right thing to do. Like give people credit where credit is due. But no matter what, do not downplay your own role. Take that compliment, bitches. 
So like a lot of my psych episodes are to debunk misconceptions and in a way this is to do it. But unlike debunking the misconception of what Stockholm Syndrome is or bystander effect, this is a misconception about what accepting or not accepting compliments kind of means to the outside. Um, accepting them doesn't make people think you're arrogant, but not accepting them may th- make them think you're rude. You're rude. So like, be cool to yourself. Accept that compliment. And when somebody wants to give you an appropriate compliment, like take it. And if you want to give one to somebody, again, make sure it's appropriate. Don't comment on someone's body. Do it. It'll make both of you feel good. And that is why we don't like to accept compliments and why we should and how we should do it. That is great. Like, I feel... I'm going to compliment you here. Oh, no. I feel like that is the exactly the type of thing we should be covering on this podcast because it's something we don't learn. That's important because it's like one of those like unspoken cultural norm things that mm-hmm. we just kind of like, oh, well, we should expect you to know how to do this. So we're never going to talk about well, it. Well, and when we talked about it in school, it was talked about in a transactional manner and we were rewarded for it. Oh, you did such a good job of complimenting them. Here's a piece of candy. Well, the candy goes away. Why should we give compliments anymore? Yeah. Or are we? On, are the, were they only complimenting us to get the candy? Like, no, we should learn why complimenting is good and when it's not good. We should learn how to accept it, why we should accept it. And guys, seriously, if somebody says something nice to you, say thank you. Yeah. Now, granted, I will say they did. They often use the whole like it's deflecting to say the stress has pockets. If you start with thank you and then say it has pockets. That's like just showing how much more, how even cooler this dress is than they thought it was. Um, and also, like, you can share information. It's like, thank you. This dress, like, is it, yeah, it is really cool. It has pockets and I got it at this store. It's like, in case they want to go get their own. It's like, thanks. My sister knitted it for me. Yeah, things like that. Like, that's all fine. Um, you're, cause you're not, not taking credit for having this sweater or this dress or whatever. You're just like giving additional information about how cool it is. Um, yeah, but yeah, accept those compliments, give those compliments, make the world feel better, but don't do it because you feel like you have to. And don't be a compliment fisher because we all hate you. The end. Yeah. Are you ready for your question? I am ready for questions. Will this be on the test? There are a lot of reasons beyond self-esteem why we don't accept compliments easily. Yes, that should be on the test. There are cultural differences in how and why you can or cannot accept compliments. That should be on the test just so that the poor Midwesterners can finally accept a compliment. <laughs> Accepting compliments doesn't make you seem arrogant by default. Yeah, that should be on the test, too. Now, obviously, if you're like, yes, I know, I am the best person on earth. Yeah, you're going to sound like a dick. Yes, why, why, thank you. I've been selected by the best. And see, that's actually one thing that I thought was interesting that wasn't brought up on Talkspace's article is one way people don't accept compliments is by making a joke out of it. Like something like that. Oh, yes. Well, I really am the best. Like self-deprecating humor did come up in our other articles. So but that is still deflecting. Um, not not accepting compliments can make you seem rude. Oh, I don't think that would, I don't know. That should be on the test, but I don't know. We're getting to the area of, we don't want to, it's rude to make people think they're rude. So we wouldn't put that on the test. Yeah. We're not going to have that on the test in the Midwest. Um, and compliments should always be genuine, not transactional. Yeah. Compliments should be genuine. Like, even if it is just a thank you, that's just an acknowledgement of a compliment. You don't have to like. Find something nice to say about somebody. No, and if you do have something, like, if they're like, hey, great dress, it's like, oh, thank you, like, thank you, and I love your shoes, like, is like if it's fast and it's, gen- like, if you don't, basically, if you have to wait to think of something to say back to them, it's not a genuine compliment. But if you're like, oh, damn, I was just going to say the same thing about your shoes, like, that's a genuine compliment that just happens to happen at the same time. Yeah. All right. So that's, that is, I I was really excited about this topic. <laughs> this was, a, this was, a, like, you were... 
usually when she's researching, she'll start yelling stuff that she's researching out to me as she learns it because she gets so excited. And this was like constant throughout her entire research of, Austin, did you hear this? Or Austin, I just read this. And she was really happy about it the entire time. Well, I was just happy to know that it's okay to be told that you're great. Like, I'm really bad at accepting compliments. I'm learning. I'm working really hard on it. Um, Like, even when I directed the school plays, all these parents would come up to me and be like, oh, you did such a great job. And I would always respond with, oh, it's not really me. It's the kids. I'm like, no, I put in an additional minimum 20 hours of work per week on this. I really, I should have accepted those compliments. Now it should have been a, thanks, I worked really hard, but the kids are, the kids are the real heroes here. Like that would have been fine. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. I always completely deflected. And you know what? I was a good director. You are, you are a very good director. And I loved it. Like I, if I miss. The thing I miss most is like that whole directing the play, building these relationships thing. Yeah. I, I, don't know, I would say you're a pretty good director. I still can't believe you did Xanadu, but those poor kids on roller skates just falling off that stage. Austin begged me to do Xanadu um, because Austin, my last musical I directed, he actually won the rights to it at a uh, at a conference. It was in a card game. I don't remember. Um, I, it was raffle tickets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Raffle tickets. Um, and he found out that one of the ones that it could completely cover was Xanadu. And I was like, I'm not doing Xanadu. I'm not doing a musical that's completely dance heavy. And also, it doesn't look as cool without the roller skates, because they can't do it on roller skates. Uh, we did Annie, which was awesome. I, I, I can't listen to Annie anymore because of how good my cast was. Like, I, I'm i sorry, the, the professionals are not as good. And also because I miss them. I really miss those kids. So if any of those kids or my parents, their parents are, miss, are listening still, I really do miss you guys. <laughs> uh, where can people find us? They can find us on Twitter at OnTheTestPod, on Instagram at OnTheTestPod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash on the test pod and our website on the test pod dot, and our website on the test pod dot com. And also keep an eye on the mythstory podcast, M Y T H S T O R I E this week, because we'll be on there talking about the squonk. And then I believe it'll be next week. I'm not good with time, but on the 25th or so, I will be on Story Shout talking about how I stuck, suck at sleeping and you'll get to learn what my real name is. I can't wait to finally find this out. But I have to go see if I can replace a faucet by myself, something that we definitely did not learn in school. Yeah, it was a practical skill. We did not learn it. I went out of my way to take some practical skills classes, which is why I can like sew. But actually, no, 4-H is why I can sew and theater is why I can sew. I don't know why I spent time in like some of the other classes. Probably because I thought they'd be an easy A. Guys, don't take a class just for the easy A. It's not worth it. Take a class you want to take. Yeah, have fun. But I did teach sewing in theater class and it was awesome. But yeah, I'm going to go try to fix the faucet. So on that note, class, class dismissed. And just when the crowd was most enthralled, they threw open the sack. But there was nothing to behold. Only sticky water remained. His sadness dissolved into a bag of tears. Yeah, yeah. that's the squonk. <laughs> and that's it's probably one of the nicest things that's ever happened to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's had a rough go of it. Or- yeah, that's amazing. actually that's that's a really good description of him as an extra depressed Eeyore with just yeah. saggy skin. That's pretty much what he looks like. I kind of yeah. thought of him as like an anti Phoenix. Oh, sure. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. But yeah, yeah, that's really good. Very persistent, everlasting, just, a de- you know, depression. 